Good morning, Chicago and the rest of the world. Welcome to the Money, Sex, Gen X podcast. I'm your host with the most, the man with the plan, the Scotty Pippen. Come through. Podcast Pippen. Mr. Eric McLeod, I am never alone. I'm joined by the titan of Team Tech. Yup. Music mogul in the making. Who that? The Rashid Wallace of Bow. Market Knowledge. Bo, 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 bo. You know what it is. What's happening, E? What's going on, my co-host, my brother, the homie Big Stew? What is up? Oh, rocking with the the Scotty Pippen of Podcast Pimpin'. What's happening? It's Sunday. It's Sunday, man. I'm still hyped up for my uh, WVON interview with T.O. Hardeman. I really had a good time. Shout out to AMPR for that. Shout out to T.O. Hardeman. Shout out to WVON, the talk of Chicago radio. Great interview early. We've been up at it since early pushing this whole agenda. Yes, we have. It's been phenomenal, man. Been phenomenal, bro. Yeah, it was a good, good, good show. Good show. We, we're still getting a lot of great feedback about that show from today, this morning. Absolutely. AMPR, Africa Porter, Melanie. L. Brown, if you need some PR representation, definitely holler at them. Holler at them. They got you. So what's been going on, brother? Let's talk talk about your week real quick. Just briefly, man, I'll just say this. I'm not going to go into specifics, but I had an amazing week in business. Now, other areas of my life, I need some work on, but, (laughs) (laughs) you know, that's that work-life balance, bro, you know. I had a killer week in business this week. Uh, historical numbers historical. this week. Historical. Historical. Wow. Okay. And so that was my week. What about you? How was your week, brother? Well, my week was good, brother. My week was good. The weather is breaking a little bit. Ride my little mountain bike. So everything is good. All smiles here. Come through. All smiles. No spirits this week, E. Okay. All, juice and, all juice and water this week. All right, you're doing Ramadan, and this is a personal situation. <laughs> it's just based on the feedback from last week. That's all. Oh, yeah, I appreciate that. Still <laughs> was swerving a little bit last week. You know, Sunday, Sunday brunch, Sunday brunch. Nothing wrong with a little Sunday brunch. Stu, we got a banging show today, though, E. We do, man. I'm very excited to get into this. Before we we got some guests that we're going to introduce you to in a second. But before we do that, Stu, can you let the viewers know about our merch? I have not figured this part out all the way. But we have some merch at our website, moneysexgenxpodcast.com. As a matter of fact, E, I I just ordered some new stuff. So let me uh, show y'all. Just go to the website, moneysexgenxpodcast.com, and you'll see, you should see something like this, right? And then when you go to, look, I'm going to show y'all. This is interactive, virtual interactive. Go, go to the Money Sex Gen X shop, and you'll see the classic, classic uh, Money Sex Gen X Coffee mug with the red piping, Eric's favorite. We have merch for ladies. We have merch for home. That's a throw blanket. You know, hoodies. You still got to stay masked up. We got backpack socks, bomber jackets, towels. I love this. I love this organic cotton t-shirt dress. 
Uh, I love that. I just actually ordered that for my lady. Guys, we got boxer briefs. Nice. Leggings. Man, we got some of everything. Go to moneysexgenxpodcast.com and check out our shop. And go shop for yourself or somebody else. Yes, yes. Please do that. I'm rocking my MSG merch myself. I've been enjoying rocking it wherever we do things. So, yeah, go get your MSG merch. I got my cup here. We represent to the fullest. Indeed, indeed. So that's that. Let's get into it. So today we're talking about the concept or the construct of being an African-American. We have two guests. Mark, if you could bring them in for us. Let's go. Yeah, buddy. We got Asada Kirkland here and we got Sean McGee. I'm going to start with Asada. Now, we asked Asada for her sort of corporate bio or whatever. I'm not going to go with that because I do know the queen. So I'm going to tell you what I know about her. I met, as I have with many people, I met Asada through an ex of mine. And the next thing I know, I was taking Scientology courses. Wow. You hear me, Big Stu? Wow. Courses. I was taking courses on procrastination, on money, how to be a better parent, all this different stuff. Um, Asada started something called the Soulful Chicago Book Fair. I was honored to be, I can't take a lot of credit for that, but I was involved in the early, early, early stages of that. And that became a really solid event in the city. Asada is an author. She has a book called Beating Black Kids. As I told you, Stu, she was featured on CNN. Yeah, I saw that clip. Yeah, you saw the clip. She loves to dance. She went to school in the area. She might tell you what school she went to if she wants to get into that. She's a native New Yorker and Uh a different. So investor crypto. Wow. Yeah, I did not know that. Yes. So that's the side of we're gonna come back to you and let you tell the people who you be. Then we have the brother Sean McGee. He oh, is oh, the oh, MC, oh. founder, guitarist for the DC area based adult contemporary hip hop band Black History. DMV stand up. The name Black History extends from a desire to make music that is so important that one day it will be considered black history. He is a graduate of the Morgan State University. Come through, HBCU. Come through. He's an avid supporter of HBCUs. Come through. Love it. Love it. (laughs) Asana, can you tell the people a little bit more about who you be? <laughs> I love that intro. I was so happy you didn't read it. I was like, you know, reading bios is whack, but yeah. I love the one you gave, especially giving up props to Scientology. What? So anyway, um, I'm just a sister who is confident and certain about her purpose on this planet. Mm. And um, for whatever reason, the creators put me in line with things literary, black and literary. So yeah, as mentioned, one of my books is called Beating Black Kids. Mm. And the other book is called Bitcoin for Black People. And so I'm unapologetic about doing things black. Everybody know that. Even the white people I work with in Scientology, they already know. I'm doing this for black people. We good. You know, there's no hard feelings, but somebody got to take care of the disenfranchised folk. And um, it's no kind of upset about it. It's just all about us. You could be for something. I don't mean you against any of that other stuff. So anyway, so that's who I be. I love my house head. But... So it made moving from New York to Chicago the best because, of course, this is wow. the 
Hold My House Music. And um, yeah, it's dope. Life is dope. I love it. I love everything about my life. And there's that. You live a very vibrant life. The last time I saw you, what's the name of that place? We were at this bank that the Astor Gates turned oh, into. Oh, yeah. The um, Artist Bank. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy was, what's the brother's name? This DJ Dwayne, Dwayne Powell, my favorite Dwayne oh, Powell wow. DJ in Chicago. They call me the first lady. That's my man. Okay, just know yeah. it. They call me, me wifey. I'm just saying because of the music. You understand? Okay, thank you. Yeah, that's the last time I saw you. I think that was a couple of years ago. So great yeah. to see you today. We're going to dive into this topic. But first, Mr. Yes. McGee, how are you doing, sir? What can you tell the people more about who you be? Peace, y'all. Uh, I'm doing just fine. Uh, uh, what I can tell you about who I am, I, I think that, well, I'm a melody maker, right? And, I'm, and I, I'm a I, I'm a teacher by calling that uses uh, hip hop to to mostly get the calling out, right? And so I come from that school of edutainment, right, with Chris Parker um, as a listener, and I I that derived into my own kind of brand of rap music that I do called griot soul, right? And in, 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 and as a griot, right, in this music. Just telling black stories, you know what I'm saying, and giving po po folks a musical passport all over the African diaspora. Again, peace. Right. Wow. Right. I love it. I love wow. it. We, Stu and I had an opportunity to attend your listening party a couple of weeks ago. We didn't know a lot about your music. I was thoroughly impressed. Still listening to the album. Still Thank listening. You. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. So that Thank was I have I have a confession to make about it. Like. I bought before when we learned that you were coming on the show. Mm -hmm. Oh no, when we learned that we were going to be at your listening party, I went and bought the CD. Right. But I have not cracked the CD case open yet. It's still, I still, it's actually still in the envelope. And, yes, and, and, and so, what I, I wanted to, I've been wanting to say this like, uh, I want to be able to, to listen to the album. Like, I still want to listen to it without cracking open my CD. But we'll talk about that later, man. Well, look, since you said that, right, Okay. I'm going to make the bridge way so that you can do that. Thank you, my brother. Indeed. Indeed. That's how we do it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Before we dive into this, I'm going to do a quick public service announcement for, for this podcast. I got to say this to the people. Listen, we had a couple people hit us up this week. Let me explain something to you all. And I'm going to be respectful, but I got to say this. This podcast is not for the timid the scared or the weak, mm. right? Don't, you know, we have people reach out to our team and they not sure and this, that, and the other. If you're not sure or you worried about your job and your situation, this is not the show for you. You know what I mean? Wow. Like you might either want, I'm not going to go there, but this might not, this is probably not the show for you, right? Yeah. This is not it. We come here to talk freely. We're talking about what's on our mind. We're talking about what's real and what impacts us. Don't please don't contact our people playing games. Like we do not have we got a lot of people interested in the show. We only want those who are strong enough to come on. All right. Uh, let, let me uh hey E, I don't I know you you always you always do your homework, but uh, I wanted to can can I can I can I can we can I jump in, man? Can I please do what is the response to some folks today are afraid to admit their blackness or to speak up for their blackness? Like to your point, there's some people like, ah, I don't know if I want to, that's a topic. I don't know if I want to. 
speak on that topic. What is what is that streaming from? Asad, I wanted to give that question to you first. Where is that? Where is this question about associating with my blackness? The where is that questioning coming from? Low self worth. I mean, just real basic. Um, low self worth, and it comes from. You know, we we can do the whole slavery vibe. Definitely, boom, 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 come from slavery. <laughs> but you really have to. Sometimes people use that it came from slavery as a scapegoat to yeah. looking at our behavior right now. Take responsibility for what's happening right now. We know it stems from a, a system that really made black beauty an issue. You know, what's beautiful, what's strong. Even even using the Bible. You know what I'm saying? My first book, Beating Black Kids. Is a chapter called Spare the Rod, you know, and this whole notion of if you spare the rod, you spoil a child. All this stuff comes from being suppressed by enslavers and using the Bible, which is supposed to stand from some for some spiritual essence, something. Nah, it, they just manipulated what was written to match slavery. We believed it. My thing is, I'm gonna tell you my theory now. This is my mm -hmm. theory. My theory, because you know, black people spent a lot of time ruling the world running the world from Mansa Musa to the Moors to whatever. Mm -hmm. I I really think that we got bored with winning all the time and was mm -hmm. like, let's try this slavery thing. Let's see how this works. Oh, oh man. Oh, we're enslaved. Wow. Oh, and I, and I, cause you know, if you keep winning the game and get born, if Serena's ankle get broke, then that, that has to happen to make it fun to keep winning, or else it's no Sada, fun. To just keep winning. Sada, you got you got some Kanye vibes going on with that statement right there. I don't care. So anyway, some... <laughs> um, he, look, he was my brother roommate. Anyway, so there's that. Whatever. But any, you know, my thing is now, four hundred years later, you kind of see. And the brother just said he made an African diasporic album. So the consciousness is we like all right, all right, all right. We tired of this game. We, we got enough. We got it. So getting back to our original place where we have high self-worth, where who cares what they say about us? Who cares about, you know, they calling us the N-word? Black lives got to matter to black people. That's it. Ain't got to matter oh, to nobody. You understand? And that's not to say what people are doing is legitimate. It's just to say don't front like black lives really matter when we're not holding the drug dealers accountable. We're not stopping the killings. We're not doing the things that would make our own lives wow. better. So when black lives matter to us, then we could get them up. Uh, them mattering to other people. I don't even expect it to matter to them because they weren't raised that way. I just keep them out of my universe and I keep building my own self. The more attention I give to the quote unquote enemy or whoever, the more attention I give to them, that's less attention I give to my own self and my own people and our own agenda. So when you look at our own agenda, then that self-worth starts coming up because you don't constantly have somebody talking about, uh, 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 you know, with their nonsense. So that's my theory. I love it. I want to say this and I want to get this strong. Um, the reason why, well, this is to all of us. The reason why I wanted to talk about this, I've been talking to a lot of younger people lately and I've been talking to a lot of people who live in other countries who are black. Um, I just got married recently, as most of you know, and I'm married, you know, I'm married now to an international family. One thing, and, and I don't want anybody to, um, anything that I'm about to say for anybody to take it any kind of way, but we're talking about today, the reason why I wanted to do this is because I'm starting to see this pattern of people sort of, not a pattern, it's always been like that, people looking at, they hear the word African-American and I think they diminish most of the accomplishments 
And then they just, in their mind, a lot of times just run to what they've seen in the media. I'll give you an example. I had to remind somebody the other day that the so-called African-American has a global impact on people, whether you look at it through fashion, hip hop, spirituality. Now we got people talking about, like the side of talking about cryptocurrency and investing, any lane that you want to go in. And I went this far to say to this person, you probably have an African-American advising you in several areas of your life. Tom, what do you think about that? Well, yeah, um, I, I think that that was critical for you to talk about the broad reach of, you know, just African people in, in general. And when you talk about uh, what people's associations are, a lot of that comes through education, right, or miseducation. And we know, you know, for me as a former K through 12 teacher, um, I know that the I know the ingredients that they are putting into your intellectual food. And so they start very early, you know, introducing uh, black kids to themselves and to their classmates as property. So they teach you very early on that to be um, African is something to be ashamed of. And um, not only that, it was something that we, our Africanness is something that we had to distance ourselves from during our enslavement, right, under penalty of death. So you're fighting a very uphill battle, one that's comparable for sure, but a very uphill battle um, in trying to teach people the knowledge itself. I mean, that, that, <laughs> that's that got to take a lot of conversation uh, to happen. No doubt. Stu, what you got to say on this? Nah, man, I, you know, I, um, I'm trying to get going, let, let, let it flow, because... Uh, I'm I'm really kind of still hanging on the Black Lives Matter's gotta matter to black people first. That is a topic of debate. Like um, and I, I really want to kind of dig in on that, especially as we're talking about this topic, because one thing I may say aside, and I'm I, I'm not on either side of that yet. I haven't I haven't decided my position. But when I hear you say black lives got to matter to black people first, before we push this agenda, black lives matter to other people. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to just settle on that because I'm not, I don't see us as uh, uh, like black lives, black lives do matter to us. Black lives do matter to black people. We better show it. We better show but it. See, that's, that's, uh, that's subjective. See, we'll make this, we'll turn this story into like, the majority of black folks is it doesn't matter. Like, no, that's the 20% that is getting 80% of the, of the attention. It's 20% of black people who are screwing it up. Right. I'll say that on record, but 80% of us are not 80% of us, whether you deaf, dumb or blind, the 80% still just kind of want to get it right. and ain't causing no problems, you know, just doing the right thing. I don't disagree with that. That I agree with that. That right. so, you know, so we the, love the, we do love our people. You got you got black people love black people, right? But what I'm talking about is being accountable because a black life can't matter if you keep watching drug dealers sell drugs to our people, or if you keep urinating in the elevators and the projects, or if you keep it dirty in where you live, or if you share your marijuana with your child. Or if yeah, like, that's, a lot that's, of things that's, we that stuff do, is unacceptable. Some right, of that is but, but very but unacceptable. Up, but you say it's unacceptable, but we accept it. 
Let's not act like I mean, we're accountable. It's, so we're not. We're nobody's not talking gonna respect about, us if we don't respect ourselves. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, we're not talking about a, a a man or a woman standing in an abusive relationship, where we're like, get out, get out. You know that that drug dealer might be my son, okay. right? I mean, let's just, let's just have this real conversation. That drug dealer might be my good childhood friend. Okay. And maybe I don't condone the drug dealing, but that's still my friend. Of course it is. So but do I'm, you condone or allow him to continue to debilitate the community? You understand what I'm saying? Like, we just got to be responsible. This ain't nothing hot and heavy. All I'm saying is that if somebody's going to respect me, they got to respect me because of how I conduct myself. And if I don't even treat myself well, I don't treat my women well. I don't treat my men well. I See, that's the, that's the, it's the over it's the overgeneralization of that statement that gets me. Just look it's outside. Let's go to let's go to seventy fifth and um. What you want to do? Go to Yates seventy fifth and what? Uh, uh, what you want to do? Still, you, we could just still, watch it. We could watch uh, what and, I'm and, saying. And that ain't that ain't is what and look, Asada. That's the part that I think we as a people have to watch out for. The okay. overgeneralizations are not valid. I'm not going to intellectualize it. I'm just going to look outside the window and just observe the behavior. That's all. You have some people, like I live in a building where they keep things up well. Good. You, this is a, a place where people have a higher self-worth, so they're not going to allow their environment to deteriorate. And all I'm saying is that in our communities, if we don't want to see the environment deteriorate, good. Let's take responsibility for that. Let's clean it up. Let's stop doing the things we do. Let's stop killing each other with drugs or shooting each other. Let's just take responsibility for all of our stuff. And we'll see a change in how other people deal with us. You can see it best when like the Black Panthers were out. Here go young brothers that say, you know what? No, you're not coming in our community like that. Here are the rifles. You're coming? No. You know, that's young people, 14 years old, 15 years old, protecting the community. And then they say, yo, let's start this lunch program. Let's start this breakfast program. So they brought the foods into the schools that we are so used to now. Now that was done by our people. So that type of behavior where you get a sense that that's high self-worth. You get a sense that we are protecting ourselves. We will provide for ourselves. Self-determination, Kuji Chagalia, all day. So I'm just saying, you know, that behavior is a plus. And that is what we have to begin to do for ourselves. I mean, love ourselves. Have the majority of Black women, and I'm a Black woman, so, you know, I'm not trying to diss, nothing like that. But the majority of Black women can't stand their own hair. They can't stand it. They won't wear it, won't show it. Brother can't run his fingers through no hair. You know how romantic that is? Can't do it. Don't touch no sister hair. That's just a low self-worth. It's a lot of layers here, ooh, layers yeah, of yeah. self-worth. We want to talk about what it means to be African-American. We'll be here all day and night on so many different levels needing to segment it. But what I'm talking about is your life has to matter to you. Do you make your daughter feel good about her hair? And the fact that I was loving at five years old when my daughter was like, Mommy, I'm ready for lots. And I was like, oh, I'm so happy. I didn't have to tell her you need to like it here. Like that was something that she accepted. She wanted because she saw her mom like that. That's right. And then, you're and then, yeah. And then her she values. Saw yeah, she saw me and her values. My daughter is 17. She has her own book. She's out right now on a job. She's a professional photographer. She has a website. So, you know, I told I, I chose to give her things that would empower her. And even though she goes through her little you know, teenage body stuff and overall high self-esteem and, and a 
a willingness to and a love for black people like she got a love for black people for real and it's based on she see their craziness but at the same time she love it you know she love being a stolen kid that's what i call us stolen kids boy we ain't no joke so i just think we need to love ourselves and be accountable don't go like this when you see something bad happening when i see them mothers getting ready to hit those children on the bus i either could stand there i could turn my head but i don't i get in it i go to them and i don't make it a spectacle and we get in it and then i take her attention off of yelling at him and then i say yo mom if i gave you a book that uh talks about what we could do better would you read it and they always go, yes, I would. And I sign it. We take a, a selfie. You got to show love and compassion. So the responsibility of going and bettering us, we don't usually take that responsibility because it takes courage and it takes compassion and a bunch of stuff. So that's I, what I'm I, I like this conversation. This is exactly why I wanted to do this. I got two things that I want to bring up. First and foremost, you and Stu seem to have a different opinion, Asada, about what state we are in as African-Americans. What I want to ask is, and I want to ask everybody this, what metrics can we use to really determine where we are right now? One of the metrics that I personally use is how many black families do we have? That's mm. something that I don't feel like is talked about enough. I hear a lot of individual talk and the men are talking about this and the women are talking about this, the kids. But what about the collective, the family? Is that a metric that we should use to become stronger? Mm. Sean, why don't you take that? Well, I think there are probably several metrics that we should use, right? Um, you, you just named one E. Um, but I think, you know, we can use income. You know, we can use um, uh, education, you know, saying the level of education attained. And then the correlation between the level of education attained and, and, and income. Um, we can use property right as a as a as a big part of the ledger and you know that's something that we really should dive into probably because that's how wealth is generally attained and furthered in this country um and we see um uh during the uh i guess the, what do we want to call it the, the the housing boom and then the housing fiasco how we took most of the brunt you know from these arms loans and this predatory lending uh, and how it, it it kept us from growing at the same rate. We look at uh, things like how the, the those those guys that came home from from Europe in World War II and got access to the GI Bill and then bought homes and then they were able to send their, their kids through college and themselves through college and how they progress. So I think there are quite a few metrics that we want to use to um, to kind of uh, as a baseline for where we are and where we should go. Yeah, I, I think we should appeal to the human spirit. That is what I think. This has, I think all of those things that you said, Sean, are definitely perfect in terms of things. There's so many areas. I'm hearing myself echo. Is that okay, you guys? You sound good on mine. I hear okay, echo I, somewhere too. I don't know where I it do is. Hear the, I do hear echo. Okay, so in a minute, I'm going to try to put on some headphones, but I'll just talk in the meantime. And when I say appeal to the human spirit, what I'm saying is, that self-worth issue, if you have high self-worth, you usually will make better decisions on all of those fronts that bring the statistics up in all of those areas, where you choose to live, how you choose to live, how you create to make money. We can make money in any way we desire, from our voices to sing, to selling peanuts when I started, to writing a book. It's a lot of different things, but if the human spirit is not settled, confident, certain, happy happiness 
like ways to when you because see we can look at the problems but i'm always going to be more towards finding the solutions what are the solutions to all of these different problem areas and those solutions take commitment to try to create within us and sometimes so we march we've marched we pray we do those things but like to take one person at a time make her a, a better mama give us some new data. Like Eric said, having them taking them courses in Scientology, them jams ain't no joke. I got black folks taking them bad boys because we need that technology, period. They using it to build big institutions and all that. And we don't know it. You better stop listening to people and get your life right. What do we have to clean up in your own life? Do you cheat on men? Do you yell and beat up your child? Do you smoke? Do you like it's all these little things? What's your health like? Once we better the being, then that's gonna it ripples out to the children, it ripples out to the neighborhood. They become a, a upstanding citizen and they encourage other people. People use us as examples of better ways to live. So my thing is for us to really overcome. I'm a single mother from New York, from Harlem. What I'm supposed to be a whole bunch of things that I'm not. But I'm not those things because I chose not to be those things. I'm here to help the whole race. I'm on Garvey mode right now. I'm on Queen and Zynga mode. I'm on Harry. They call me the Harriet Tubman of crypto. There you go. What are we doing? You know what I'm saying? So my goal is how many lives can I save? How many people can I make feel better about themselves? At the end of the day, for real, I change. I, I said this on social media. I think I'm going to change my daily statistic to how many people did you help today? Mm. Now, how much money I made? Because when you help people, you make money. They just make sure of it. Right, don't right. look at them. you make making money is white people don't control that. Other people don't control that. You control that because we're all sent here with an innate ability to, in this world. You supposed to do a particular thing in this world. Y'all chose this show. Good. It gives us a voice. It gets us out. Good. You know what I'm saying? Like we all here. And if we just look at that overall plan to rehabilitate that self-worth and get that certainty up, we'll be good. We'll be really good in all areas. Now, I got this, I have this segment that I do every week called Actual Factuals. One of the things that I learned in Scientology is that words are very important. And typically when someone has an issue, it's because a lot of times it's because they don't understand a word. So I'm going to get into a word that I found, a researcher found. I don't know if you are familiar with it. It's E-T-H-N-O-N-Y-N, ethnonym. Y'all ever heard of that ethnonym? Nope. No. Okay. An ethnonym is a name by which an ethnic or racial group is known. So this African-American term, by definition, would be an ethnonym. Okay. Now, my question, I want to jump into this now. And, and obviously, we know about the movements through time. So we had a time in history where we were being called Negro. Then we progressed through the Black Power movement and other movements to being called Black. And then as many people point out, I don't know how accurate this is, in 1988, Jesse Jackson had this meeting where he declared that Black people want to be known by African American. That was in 1988. Uh -huh. So the thing that I want to stress now is I feel like, and I just want to say is I feel like we put a lot of pressure on ourselves and we talk negatively about ourselves as African-Americans a lot of times. We do have a lot to work on and I'm definitely a person that's trying to work. But what about black people in other countries? 
So Asada, a lot of the things that you were just talking about, do black people in London have to work on those things? Do black people in Switzerland or you know Ghana and all of that? I feel like the conversation when it comes to us is always we're not, we're not, we're not. But I've been across the globe. I feel like a lot of these are people and human issues. What do you all think about? It? Is it just us or is it a human thing? First of all, the stolen kids, that's why I call myself I'm one of the stolen kids. Every revolutionary that has ever in the black race, whatever, throughout the diaspora, they all had to come to us to get it on. From Seiko Ture to Marcus Garvey. Garvey had an office in Harlem, you understand? Um, Patrice Lumumba, all of them had to come to us. You know why? Because when it comes to revolution, the stolen kids are no joke. We no joke. We know how to handle adversity. Not not handle as soon as it comes, we put it in check. But when it comes to that, like, stick to and mm -mm, we basically are no joke with that. Now, what other cultures around the world have is a, is a sliver of, of culture. Culture does help one mandate how they behave in the world. And when you're dealing with the people that don't aren't really sure about their culture, there goes the randomity. Uh, I don't really understand. I'm not sure, right? right? But I be telling brothers from the continent and the Caribbean, don't act like you wasn't colonized up in here now because we see some of the same low self-worth that Absolutely. comes from colonialism. Absolutely. Colonialism just happened in other parts of the world, but the difference is you got to stay home. And so you still was able to maneuver to a degree because that was your home, like Palmares. You know, the brothers went to the mountains. Oh, you think, oh, you think you want to uh, get us in Brazil? Yeah, I got you. We're going to the mountains, blah, blah, blah. You know, and so they were able to still kind of navigate life with a language, with a code, with a things that were that, to that nature. But when you talk about us being brought to America, you're talking about being brought from hot to cold, mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. never wearing a coat to needing one. Right, to, right. You ain't might not need shoes, but now you need shoes. So, so you're talking about having to, oh God, we had to assimilate, adapt, and restructure, and we still here. Ooh, stolen yeah, kids are no yeah. joke. So I just say that around the world, keeping your culture helps. It has helped, but that looking down on us, we gotta stay clear. Oh no, you don't look down on the stolen kids because we that happened for a reason. It happened so that we can keep the race going and fiery and rehabilitating, you know, and 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 procure it. You know, I think we're very important in the history of African people. And um, we just have to remember some of our own cultural tenets. So we behave like we need to behave in the world. So that's what I mean. Before, before, before you move on. Oh, oh go, ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I want to let the people know where we are. This is the Money, Sex, Gen X podcast. This is season four, y'all. Season four, episode number three. What does it mean to be an African-American? Scott. Before, before we go to Sean, uh, Asada, do you mm -hmm. agree with the, uh, what's the term, ethnonym of African-American for yourself? Do you identify as African-American? I identify with whatever my people understand. I don't okay. care what. No, it, I'm, I don't get real intellectual about any of this. Colored, Negro, Black, African American. Let's rock it all. Let's rock it all. <laughs> I be using Negro all the time. That Negro, mm, what I don't use is the N word because okay. I just don't. Because I just, I just don't feel right coming out my mouth. Um, I used to use it, and I had this um Irish friend in high school, and so one day she was like, "Yeah, my," you know, and I was like, "Oh no." 
you can't say that. And it got into a real debate about why, how come I can't say it? And she really didn't understand. But for me, I don't need for her to understand. I need to stop because it came from somewhere negative. So I shouldn't use it, period. It was negative. It was never used pop. Uh, positively. We can say, oh, it means never ignorant getting goals accomplished or whatever they say it means. <laughs> Who said that? Tupac? Who said that? <laughs> Who said that? Tupac? The people saying that. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. No, no, no. That means never ignorant getting goals accomplished. That's what that means. That ain't what that mean when you was hanging from that tree. You ain't mean that. Well, well maybe, maybe N-I-G-G-A does mean that, but you know when they put that R that hard E R on the end, that ain't what it mean at all, Sean. Do you identify with African American as an ethnonym? Do you identify as African American? Surely, uh, I I identify African American, but I also identify as African too, right? Because I'm a member of the diaspora, so you don't have to put the hyphen on there for me. But but to identify my tribe, I do say African American because. Um, you know, African American. We, as African Americans, we have our own culture, and you know, it, it differs depending on region and stuff like that, and subscription. But um, you know, I think you know we are Africans are uh, a nation of many tribes, and African American is just one particular tribe. I like that. E, e do you identify as African American? Uh, I, I understand that that's the term that's used to refer to me in this country. I like the term black better I, I, yeah. because it's clear and it makes sure that I'm connected to someone else who looks like me in another continent. That's what I was thinking. That's that's the biggest issue I've had. Yeah. It's like, oh, you live in Colombia and South America. You look just like me, but you're mm -hmm. calling yourself this and I'm... No, we're both. Yeah, we black. both black. We both black. And so, but now, I understand yeah. what the term African American it means. You're a black person in America. I get all of that. That's cool. Yeah. But I feel like, and I'm glad you said that, Stu, because we got a lot of younger people that watch this show. Let's talk about this real quick. What is the difference between African American and the term black? Is there a difference? Which which one is which? What is it? Well, if I could, if I could yeah, go ahead. Let's go ahead, Yeah. No, yeah. Well, I, I I think certainly in the within our tribe, it's it's, it's interchangeable, um, and even without our tribe, right? If, if you call somebody that considers themselves African American, um, the, it, black, they're not going to be like, I don't know who you're talking to. It's it, 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 it it's the same. But but African American is again the it's a it's a it's a, it's. Uh, let people know that we are acknowledging our ancestral home, right? Because when our foreparents, and I'm assuming that everybody here is under the umbrella of African American, right? When our forefathers came here, we have to ask ourselves the question, or I have to ask myself the question: When did they become um, American? Was the was were my first grand were my first grandparents that came here were they American? Surely not. They were Igbo or or Lasanga or whatever or whatever that was. Was my grandfather that was born in 1901 was he American? Certainly not. Right. Was my daddy who was born in 1947 American? No, indeed. You know what I mean? So so you have to ask those kinds of of questions. I am African by lineage. I'm American by um, the nation that I was born in. Location. Right. See, yeah. you have that. See, Sean, you have that. 
See, and that's not, I don't have that. I don't have that direct lineage to the continent of Africa, right? As a matter of fact, my experience in dealing with the limited number of Africans, people that are from Africa, born and raised in Africa today, hasn't been the most accepting. What has been your experience? And we do have a comment from a, uh, someone from the Gen, Gen Z uh, um, uh, generation. They say they identify as black because they have no physical ties to Africa right now. I kind of agree with that. But what has been your experience when, if any of you have ever visited Africa, are they welcoming uh, to uh, you Americans, us Americans, or because I, are they recognizing and honoring that you're African? What what has that been that experience? I want to jump that up from me. I got to say, I got to speak on this one because this is where I've grown. When I was in undergrad, we used to beef back and forth between the African American and the African people. And I remember one day specifically, the African people in the class, I think they were Kenyan. They spoke, they stood up and said, and basically told us that we, they felt we were ignorant mm -hmm. and that they get further ahead than we do because they apply themselves and this, that, and the other. And then we came back and said whatever we said to them. But I'm going to tell you something. In the last years, especially the, the family that I married into, I can tell you that we, we got to be careful with saying that all of anybody is doing something because my wife's family is African, part of them, and they have been they have embraced me 1000 percent. OK, and that and, and I'm going to tell you something. If I told that to somebody out in the street, they probably would think that I'm lying. Now, I also talk to people from Africa who have moved to this continent and they have said they have been treated very poorly. We always talk about how we're treated as the African-American, but I've had Africans tell me I've been treated very poorly in this country by the African-American. Mm -hmm. No question. I, yeah, that, I know. Asada, go ahead. I know you yeah, got we, something. You please. know good and well we grew up with the term, don't ask me who made this up, black African booty scratcher. Oh, mm -hmm, look, mm -hmm. we used to say that as soon as an African kid come, dark skin, whatever. So we definitely, that's that self-worth. You know, we're going to tear you down. Now, in 97, I had a chance to take 18 kids to Senegal. And mm -hmm. it was from the south and west side of uh, Chicago. And doing that, I'm telling you right now, what an emotional trip. These were brothers and sisters who were in the alternative high school system, which means they dropped out and they were coming back. Yo, those kids that I took to Africa, they came back so stellar. They came back, grades improved. Their experience there, the most amazing experience was two things. One was going to the slave mansions and taking them to, uh, we were in, staying in Dakar, but then we went to Gorday Island. And they have a door there called the door of no return mm -hmm. in that slave mansion. That's where when slaves went through that door, they knew they were not coming back to mm -hmm. Africa. OK, so we had a chance. And this was the dope thing in going to Africa on the ferry, going over to the slave castles. There were white people on there with us. They did not let them in with us. They had to wait outside until we had our own experience in those, yo, that in America, you already know that wouldn't happen. Like we don't get treated like that. And my students had an opportunity. I mean, one brother, one young brother was in one of the side rooms crying and bawling, saying my grandmother, my grandfather, my grandmother, my grandfather. And it got expressed to us that this is the door of no return 
but you all did return. And we mm. were an example of returning, yo. That mm. right there, wicked, wicked, yeah, yeah. beautiful. Like, you know, the we are the ones that returned. We are the descendants of the ones who did not jump ship. You right, understand? Right. They stuck it through and had their generation say so. That was very positive. And while we were there, my brother didn't even come back with us. My brother and another dude, they stayed in Africa. They was like, nah, we'll see y'all later. They found some girls from home. They honey dips. It was like, gravity, gravity, you know, whatever. It was awesome. We went to clubs. We we didn't get treated. You, you really felt that there wasn't a police state like we live in now. You know, even crossing the street, you get told how to cross the street. But in Africa, the flow was so free and my kids were... They were freestyling to the brothers playing the drums. And I was like, y'all, it's 11 o'clock. We got to chill out. They was like, we in Africa, Miss K. We ain't got to do nothing. I was like, oh, God, I got to argue with these kids. And, you know, but never any kind of y'all dumb, y'all ignorant. I've heard that here. But I think that coming here and you see how we can behave to African people is a thing. It starts that thing. And then, you know, the perception of anybody, most people coming to America is, I work, I'm going to work this. I'm going to come here and work this system and get my freedom. But we don't see it like that because we from here. So we tired of working. I ain't working. I'm tired, you know, so they see that and say that because it doesn't match how they perceive the environment. But my thing is for us, you, me, all of us to rehabilitate that. Even the book fair that I do. Yo, they used to have anti-literacy laws just for black people. When you want to talk about Oh, why black people don't want to read? You want to hide something from a black person, put it in a book? Yeah, because if we got caught reading, you can cut our eyes out, cut mm. our tongue out, cut our fingers off. So yeah, you're going to generations of people who don't want to read. So my goal with the book fair, create an environment where reading is what we do again. Just rehabilitate it. Don't say y'all did this to us. Don't nobody care about that. We know who did it. Rehabilitate it. And that's where I want us to really go from there and all the terms, just accept them. We are African in America. So what do I do? You want to put a hyphen in there? I don't care. But we, we like what my man Malcolm say. If when you make biscuits, just because you put them in the oven, something. Oh no, when you put what, what's that saying that Malcolm had about putting biscuits in the oven? It don't make them. Uh, oh, if you put a person in the oven, it don't make them a biscuit. Just because right. you put them in the oven, you know they grew up there, but that don't make them a biscuit when they come out. Blah blah blah. So yeah, we're African people throughout the diaspora, and we the stolen kids, and we rocking out. You know, I love it. I love all of how we influence the world. It's beautiful. Yeah, no question. And, and like I said earlier, sometimes yeah. Let's, let's get let's hear from Sean real quick. And just want to level it out. What's your what's your take on that that, that question, Sean? Excuse me, I didn't mean to uh, cut you off, brother. Yeah, I think um, that's kind of glitching in and out. It's cool. Okay. Um, well, what I was going to say is um, in terms of what has been my experience and have I visited the continent, I have not had the fortune yet to visit the continent. And my wife, um, who also is African-American, you know, has gone several times. And she's like, yo, you thought that when we went to Jamaica, that was cool. And you was engulfed in blackness. You wait till you go to the continent. Um, and, and so I cannot wait to have that experience. I'm wearing my 1619 hat because we were trying to go during the year of, uh, of, of return. Uh, but you know, we didn't make it in COVID and everything like that, but we still plan to, 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 to get back. Um, but to, to, to answer that, to answer that question, um, what my experience has been for with, with, with continental Africans saying that, accepted me, right? So I think it's multifaceted. 
Uh, and and I hate to use this term I, because it's, it's becoming overworked, but I think it's important to use for the context of, of, of what I'm saying. That, that black people are not a monolith. So, so because, you know, people on the continent are not a monolith, I don't want to look at my experience with a couple people and now judge over 50 countries of how they feel uh, uh, about me. Um, some folks have tried to say that I'm not, uh, that, that no, I'm American and, or, or that we're American and, and not African. But I mean, I, I, I liken it to this. Whether I met my, my grandmother's grandmother or not, I'm still her grandson. And so if other people in my family say to me, we met her. So because you haven't met her, you're not her grandson. DNA is going to show that I'm as much as her grandson as you are. And it's, and it's the same with being with, with calling myself African based on my lineage, right? You can say what you want to, right? But when you do my, my DNA, you're going to see it, it goes back to Africa. And when you look at my family tree, it's going to say it, 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 it goes to Africa. Um, and so my wrap-up point is, I heard Colin Powell say this, that his parents said to this, said, said this to him. You cannot let other people's opinions of you become your opinion of yourself. Whatever that is, right? So if they if they want to say that I'm not, then that's cool, you know. But but I know that I am, regardless. Indeed, indeed, love that point. Now here's something else that I feel like doesn't get talked about enough. So we're the so-called African American. From a cultural perspective, I see people many times, they'll come over here from other countries, they'll be black from another country. And I will challenge them when we get in these conversations and ask them, you're from this other country in Africa, but are you living this African-American lifestyle? Do you have the same hairstyles as the people in, that are African-American? Are you wearing the same clothes? Do you subscribe, subscribe to the same beliefs in terms of Christianity and all these different things? And I feel like that's the part that's getting missed. It's like wherever you're from, you could come here and be living the same cultural lifestyle that I'm living. And at that point, what's the difference? If you're a Catholic and I'm a Catholic, Asada, and I got on Jordans and you got on Jordans and you got your tight jeans on with the rips in them and all that, what's the difference between us at that point? Yeah, I think we can find differences in everybody, similarities. All of it is irrelevant to me. I think for the individual let's say if i say myself i've been wearing african clothes i don't even own a pair of jeans like what like you know i've been wearing african clothes since the late 80s right and there was a little it was a fad when i first got into it because i was encouraged by other young people around me but then this is my way now when i come into environments that are all white or black or whatever it says a lot of things to a lot of different people when I went to Northwestern and I got on that campus, yo, I was militant to them, to black people. I ain't care about white people. I knew I was militant to them, but I was mil too militant for a lot of the black kids there. And I was, cause I was like, why you get your clothes from the gap? Why you don't wear after clothes? Like I was hardcore crazy, but anyway, so, but i never lost it cause it really is a part of me. But when I'm in an environment with white people, what it says is there's no compromise here. This is who I am. What? Oh, you don't like my hair wrap? Oh, I'm out. Peace. You know, it's no uh, cut my hair because I'm in corporate America. Like, I'm not doing that. So there's another level of respect I get from people because of 
this is what I want to represent. I'm a I'm one of those those kids, like I keep saying stolen kids, but you know, I know I'm from Africa. So I wear African clothing and I rock it our style. You know, I can make it my own. They'd be like, where's that from? I'd be like, wherever I want it to be. Like, it could be for anyone, you know. That's the beauty that we can do, you know, here in this country. And so um it, it all of that stuff is just arbitrary to me. What it is is and and like I said in the chat, I like to use black, like my book, Beating Black Kids, Bitcoin for Black People, because I am talking about the diaspora. I am talking about us because our situations are similar. Are we impoverished in certain parts of Africa? Whole bunch. Um, do people get treated badly when they black living in Japan? Oh yeah. Like we really get ridiculed by a lot of different races and a lot around the world because it's just what it is. But when we come confident, it's going to change the game. It's going to change the game because we're coming with our own contribution to the conversation. And a lot of times we don't come with our own contribution. We come with an assimilated viewpoint and experience and and just the way we look, we come with someone else's idea of beauty, someone else's idea of whatever, or even if your pants are sagging below your butt line and your, all of that, all of that is just a, an example of self-worth. That's why I say human spirit. Once you get to that, then the person starts to make a decision of how they want to emote to the world and it reflects their overall experience. And then we see, we can't fight the African retentions, eating okra and eating this, or, you know, you know, talking this way and they just come out the blood all the african is coming out how we are on any level on so many levels from what we eat to how we talk it's inevitable even wearing all the gold chains come on man you want me to show you a picture of ghanaian kings do you want me to show mm. you that and how much how much gold Lots they got of gold. On? Yeah, yeah, yeah. gold around their ankles around their necks so all of that is in a reflection of us as african people gold wasn't nothing to mansa musa you understand Mansa Musa was richer than any man on earth, even to this day. That's in my book, Bitcoin for Black People. So those things that we think are whatever, they're retentions, even the way we dance. I did a whole presentation in the library system showing kids the African retentions in our current dance. The Harlem Shake looked just like Northern Africa Kiska by Ethiopians. The, uh, the, the footwork juking that they do in Chicago looked just like Cote d'Ivoire. They do the same movement. So I'm just saying this. All you got to do is just ooh, 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 connect back. It's dope. Yeah. I, I want to push on this a little more, right? So let's, let's take this conversation to the next level. So we have people like the Nation of Islam, for example, that talk a lot about mindset. And Sean, what I want to ask you is, so I just asked Asada about the cultural element in, in what we're talking about, right? Like how you live on a day-to-day -day basis. How do you feel about that? And I want to bring this back up. If you got a black person that comes here from Ghana, for example, and they are living the same exact way that you are, what does that say about the African-American experience, if anything at all? Are they an African-American at that point? Or are they just revert back to being black? Or what are they? Well, I think um, I, from my optic, I acknowledge that the the United States' main export, I mean, its main export is culture, right? And whose, whose culture are they exporting? Ours, right? So whether it's jazz, whether it's rock and roll, so whether it's uh, uh, hip hop, those are all cultural exports that have gone out through the world. And some people ex um, 
uh, align that with America, and some people can uh, can have have the knowledge to align that with African Americans. Um, but I, I think that also there comes the danger of of when a people have been enslaved, and that is who they have become to the world, because. Sometimes, even to our own, right, even to continental Africans or folks, yeah, continental Africans, um, they may think that they can lay hold, and, and, and please, you know, I, I, I'm careful with generalization, but they may think that they can hold um, our culture without feeling like it, you know, they don't have to, um, they don't have to say that it came from African Americans, but rather that it came from this cultural umbrella of America um, because people feel like they can use our stuff for free all the time, right? And so I think that that's, in, you know, that, that, that's important to say that, that, that some folks may not be equating what they're doing to, with African-Americans as much as they're equating it with doing what's being done in America as part of the American dream. Wow, I like that. I, I, I feel that. I never thought about it quite that way, but that makes sense to me. Stu, I'm not hearing a laugh from you, brother. What you got to say, man? Oh, man, when you have you have a royalty, African, Black, African-American royalty like this on here, it's, it's, it ain't a lot for me to say, man. They holding it down, bro. Like, this is what's happening, man. I'm over here learning. You know what I mean? That's That's what's happening. I'm learning. All right. I'm a I'm a student today. All right. Well, I'm gonna throw you an easy layup, my brother. <laughs> if you all just turned tuned in, this is the Money Sex Gen X podcast. This is season four, episode three. We're rocking out with Sean McGee, Sada Kirkland. Um, Stu, have we evolved as African Americans? I'm gonna throw you an easy layup. Sure, have we sure evolved? We have. Huh? Sure, sure we have. Sure we have. Based on what? Sure, sure we have. Um, the the first one I think is economically, right? I think uh, this was, is my opinion. Let me push you a little bit here. How, what what are what are you basing that on? So you're saying we've evolved economically. What shows that? What metric can we use? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna so in business and real estate, for example, the strides that we've made as Black folks since the since the 60s right being in uh corporate and corporate positions c-suite level positions owners ownerships of sports and uh business right um having the ability to lead organizations in a way that we have never been able to see in our lifetime in the history of black folk in this country uh, so yes, in those re in those respects, I think we've made some tremendous strides. There are more rich black folk today than ever before in in, in North America. So um, I don't. I'm good now. Now I know you, the actual factual guy. I don't have the statistics on it, but from mm -hmm. I'm gonna use Sean's word. I'm Sean. I'm still in his word. My optics, <laughs> my optics. Right. I, I I was listening, brother. You know, there are more, we are more economically inclined today than ever before. Okay. Yeah, I'm asserting, I'm asserting that. You look like you got something to say. Before you say it, I'm going to say, brother, I respectfully disagree. 
Yes, sir. Let's do it. I don't think we've evolved very much at all. Oh, my goodness. Please. Well, first of all, Big Stu, I do agree with you. And I hey, agree with I got a win with a son. Thank you. Thank you. You're crazy. You know I love you, Big Stu. You know I love you. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree because it's not that black people. Let me tell you the evidence. So here in Chi-Town, it's getting warm. Them people coming out to the lake. It's a certain area over here on 63rd Street. Yo, brothers, what's those new buggies they got? It has two wheels the in the front. Shot, and the rickshaw. One, yeah, the rickshaw. The two wheels in the front and one in the back. Yeah. I've seen at least 10 of them now. This I ain't in no Beverly Hills. I'm in the Not hood. Okay. Where they come from? Like, we have money to do things. We are the biggest consumers in the world. What needs to change is the game we play. We just play a consumer game. And so the money that we conjure up, some of it illegal, some of it not, in comparison to the rest of the world, we can do a lot of things. The game is just jacked up and we've agreed to certain things. We've agreed to EBT. It's Mm. good. Give me $300. Good. I'm going to get, I'm going to use my EBT card. Why are you in the salon? Like what you talking about? (laughs) Why you have a Louis? Right. What you talking about? Like, I'm just like, you know what I'm saying? Why you got Jordans? You got an EBT card. That is a choice. That's a choice to, to take money from someone who doesn't like you. And you, you, you're going to keep that system in and your children are going to watch and they're going to keep the system in. I even Man. keep it in. It, why? I went to Northwestern. I went to, why would I have EBT? Why would I do that? Because we do that. And then once I got into the crypto world, see, what I do with cryptocurrency, when they call me the Harriet Tubman of crypto, my thing is to emancipate my people through Mm -hmm. cryptocurrency because it it allows for a different type of freedom now. They can't clock you with your social. They can't clock you with your name. That Bitcoin you make is yours and you do it. And we make, anytime my 17-year-old girl, Ma, I need a new computer and I go buy it. You got Bitcoin? And she go, Mm -hmm. oh. And she go buy a $2,500 MacBook, blah. Yeah, yeah that's what we dealing with. Ma, we need an air fryer. Get it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Anytime I'm watching her make five digits and she not doing nothing, but she's in crypto. We were having a conversation about jobs and whatever. And I, she said, why would I get a job and I have Bitcoin? And I was like, oh, oh, hello there. You're correct. Right. <laughs> so, so my thing is, we got to change the game. The brothers on the street got Bitcoin too. They've been doing Bitcoin for ten years now. Yeah, no doubt. That's why there's so many black. That's why there's so many Bitcoin ATMs in the black community. But our people will associate that with drugs and this and that. So, see, I need to help them change their game. Let me show you how to do Bitcoin. But you ain't got to do no. You ain't got to do nothing negative. You ain't got to kill people. You ain't got to de- debilitate people. So, um, I, I agree with you in that. The format we have now in life to be affluent, we just have to choose it. Right now, we play a very doggy dog, cutthroat type of game, but that's somebody else because our own innate money game was more like susus. Let's circulate money. Yeah, yeah. Get you, let's get you wealthy. We're going to pass the money around. You understand? It's just like what I'm involved in with Bitcoin. We circulate our, our Bitcoin. So we have a different mentality and there were names for that same type of system in other cultures. It was the Hui, in, um, if that's how you pronounce it, H-U-I, in China, the Tanda in South America, where you circulate the money, circulate. That's different than how we raised. 
So yeah, so we, what'd you say? I'm sorry. Oh, I'm saying group economics. Yeah, group economics. You understand what I'm saying? So when we can get back, this is, here's that self-worth again, get back to yourself, get back to what we do and how we do, even running numbers. You understand policy in Chicago? Them brothers in Chicago during the Great Depression, there were millionaires in Chicago and they were black and they were black because they were and they were doing policy. And that is they later called it numbers running and they then later made it illegal and then started the lottery, their version. So when we do things for ourselves in our own right, affluence is easy because the real thing you focus on and this comes out of Scientology, when you want money. Just focus on the amount of pro-survival attention you get. Absolutely. I remember that. Pro-survival mm-hmm. attention. And that means every time somebody look at you, they are surviving better. Every time they utter your name, they are surviving better. If we can make sure our people are surviving better, that money will come to us because they'll feel good about what they're getting from us. And that's how we start our own uh, movement agenda. There's a book called Citizen Rising. Um, I forgot the author, but I know him. Um, he would die if I said I forgot his name. But Citizen Rising. If you could get that book, he talks about how we want we become affluent again in present time by self determination. So yeah, wealth is not an issue for us. We just played a wrong game. Look, last thing I swear for games in Scientology, there are four types of things you could do with a game. Look, you could be a game creator, where you create the game and the rules. You could be a game player, where you know how to play, but you don't run it. You don't make the rules. Or you could be a piece in the game and you get moved around. Mm. Or you could be a broken piece and you cannot play at all. Mm. So in most cases, we are broken pieces or pieces. And those people we talking about that make money, like you were talking about, Bistu, they're players but they're not mm-hmm. game creators. We must mm-hmm. get into the game creation mode so that we can create what we really want, the ideal scene. Not the scene we're in, but the ideal scene that comes from our own create, and that's what we need to be on for money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sean, I was about to go into something, but we're not doing that today. We're doing the positivity. So I want to ask you, what other area, so Estada just mentioned the area where she feel like we have evolved, we're evolving mm-hmm. financially. What are some other areas that you feel like the African-American has, we're evolving in or we have evolved? Well, I mean, I, I think that um, one thing that comes to me uh, immediately is uh, in, in attending HBCUs. So I can remember being a, a, a kid um, and um, a different world was out and Cosby show at, at the same time. And both shows promoted very heavily uh, HBCU. And I'm one of those kids that came up through that and as a result, you know, went to an HBCU. That wasn't a result of that alone, right? My brother attended HBCU who's older than me. My sister who's older than me attended HBCU. But, but um, now we see, I think, uh, Shaquille O'Neal's son is, is going to be going to an HBCU. And I think maybe LeBron James' son is, is going or, has, or is strongly considering. Uh, so, so, so that's cool. And, and, and I think that that goes in line with some of the things that Asada was talking about. And, and that you mentioned, too, in that group economics, right? Because um, Asada mentioned earlier that Martha Musa was the richest man uh in the, in the world and that's true and we can't wait to when there's a movie out about him um we hope to see that um but we talk about the goal right the goal that 
that that our continent had was not just the mineral, right? But the biggest gold that was stolen from the continent was us. And so when we talk about us as being gold and returning back to HBCUs, there's a lot of wealth that's coming with us, that, that the wealth that's coming with our mind, right? Our brilliance. Um, because that, and, and, and that's very important. So I see, you know, uh, you know, involvement in, in that way. Um, I just think that since we first got on those ships, right, and we first started revolting and first tried to get north or, or south, wherever freedom was for us at that time, because we've been trying to move backwards, you know, our whole time, we've been constantly trying to um, evolve in a, in a positive way. So I would never say, you know, we're devolving. You know, we're always evolving. Okay. No, no, and I don't think we ever stopped being evolved. I'm telling you, I think we agreed to someone's perception of us, but I don't think we ever stopped being evolved just because of the nature. Even to still be here, you got to be evolved okay. because you got to go to a place that is so deep spiritually to confront this stuff and still be living and still and you we still impact the world. Even in our debilitated state, they still got to be like us. Right, you understand? Right. So I feel like we never stopped. It's just we we looked another way. Instead of looking in the mirror, you're looking over there at what they're doing and then you want to do that. You know, I right, so wish, right. and I have to say this about, because we might need to do this. My daughter is college age and she's about to go to Columbia here in Chicago. My daughter's a professional photographer. My daughter really wants to go to an HBCU, but there is no HBCU that focuses on the arts. My God, if we had an HBCU that was just focused on the arts, do you understand the brilliance that would come out of that just based on how we are in the arts and creating? So I think we might have to create that on this form, all four of us. We need to create that. The uh, And if there is one, you better tell me now so I can change my money and go to that university right now. I'll say, well, Howard got some nice offerings on the, on the artistic side now. Howard they, University? That's true. They that's have true. a photography program? I, I'm not sure about that, but when you can say that Donnie Hathaway uh, uh, Debbie Allen and Felicia Rashad all came from Howard University. They are all artists. So, you know, that, and, and that, that's odd. But I do agree with you, um, Asada, and I didn't mean to cut you off, uh, e, but I do agree with you, Asada, in that I think that our schools could even become um, even more focused on the arts because we are such an art-oriented people. But that's hard to do on limited resources Right. And when you have a people who um, who are trying to do the most practical thing for their children that they can. Right. So it's a it's a it's a it's a struggle to get them to understand that, hey, this art thing is serious business. You should you should we should be trying to um, uh, expand our art program when they're saying, yo, I'm sending my kid here for four years for you to have for four years. And I need them to come out with a job because this art thing, even after they graduate, it's going to still take them five, six, seven, eight years to get a foothold in that. That's not so, true. I'm sorry. To five well, years to get a foothold? We make yeah, a foothold. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, let me, let me, let me, let me jump in here. Look, so shout out to all the HBCUs. I did a, a quick dive into HBCUs that offer photography or arts programs. Xavier in New Orleans, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, Virginia State, 
University of Maryland, Eastern Shore, Pine Bluff, Texas Southern, Tennessee State, Norfolk State, Morgan State, Jackson State, Howard University, FAM. Come on, y'all. Clark, Atlanta, Bowie State. I'll definitely go look because we had a challenging time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They have arts programs and some of the, they have arts programs and some of them have a focus on photography and digital media. That's what what we want. What we want. We don't want a class. Right. Photography class. You need a program. We want want her to go because see college to me is not the same as it is to everybody. I could, I could care less. Now that's a strong statement because, you know, I went to Northwestern for radio TV film um, I was using VHS tapes, yo. So that means the 40000 I gave them every year didn't do nothing. I ain't got jacked from that experience because the technology has changed. So fine. Okay, y'all got me. So I'm not heavy on that. But what I do when I told it, whatever, wherever you go, it needs to just help you blossom. So you come out. She already got a job. She already got a business. So she don't need it to, a job per se. But I want us to really, we can't, uh, I want our schools to really focus on it because that's where our hearts are as a people. It is us and the arts that makes the world go round, not anything of whether it's our writing, whether it's our uh, dancing, whether it's our singing, whatever. We're not going to go off into that, but I'm just saying I want us to, and I think I'm going to have this conversation with her so that she can create it when she come home. That's what I'm going to talk about. If you can't do it, Ma, you create it. Create the arts HBCU that we need and that's all it does. Like fame, you know. But black, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. So let her do it. She'll experience it vicariously through other kids because she'll create the opportunity. So I think I'm gonna talk to her about that after this discussion. So yeah, yeah. I will say this, Asada. I I went to Columbia College in undergrad for a little while. That is a great school now. If you if you focus sure. on that. that's why we going in. That's why she's going in. You know what I'm saying? But I she said out of her mouth to me last night. I really wish I could go to a HBCU. That's what she said. She wants that experience. She wants to be around our people. She loves our people. She just don't want to sacrifice her career. She's been talking about her career and doing it for a long time. Her book's been out since she was seven. You understand what I'm saying? She's a photographer. So she just needs, we need that institution to make her a better one. And that's it. And not just be a class. She had to start it at her high school. But our people, here's my thing. We can create it. And if it's going to be created, a lot of times we do it. African-Americans. Because we've had to create so much, even jazz, even hip hop, all of that is part of this experience in this country. Taking what you know or don't know and using your innate excellence to create a genre, to create an art form, to create a, and that's not even what we're trying to do. We just being ourselves and it's becoming those things. So now if we could take the, the, the skill of making it become a thing and really make it a, become a thing, according to us, it won't get stolen from us. You know what I'm saying? It'll be important enough for us to make sure we build ourselves, but you got to have a good self-worth for that. So that's where that comes back to, you know, making it so that we feel good about being an African in America or wherever, you know. True indeed. I have a real whack reason why I did not go to an HBCU. It sounds super crazy, especially now that I'm older. But at the time, I was in VA, and we used to hang out at Hampton University in Norfolk State all the time. And I told my dad, I'm like, yo, I want to go to Norfolk State. Um, And he said, cool, why don't you do the overnight visit? So we did the overnight visit. And within four hours, Stu, I was on the corner with a 40 ounce in my hand. Damn, being black. 
Yeah, we went to a party. We went to the party. We danced and all that. Oh, and man. I ended up on the corner with some other gentlemen that I was rooming with with a 40 in my hand. So my point is, I knew I couldn't handle Damn. that. Especially Norfolk State back then was buck wild. Yeah, so I would have just been caught up in the mix. Now, I will say this. I ended up going to the white school and doing the same thing. So that's why I say it was a whack reason because yeah, because that was you. Your mindset is messed up. It don't matter where you. You know what I'm saying? So right. That now, my daughter, I was kind of begging her to go to an HBCU. I really wanted her to go to Hampton University. Mm-hmm. Thought about Howard. I thought Howard might be a little much for her because she's kind of sheltered a little bit. It's a little fast. I think Stu, your daughter went to Howard. Man. Damn near broker. But she decided to go to St. John's in New York. I think that's more her speed. I wish we could. I really would have preferred Hampton, though, because it's the same laid. It would have been more laid back for her, but it is what it is. Well, I think I'm, I'm go ahead, Sean, please. Well, I'm just saying I'm glad, Eric, that, that you said what you said, man. You brought the point around full circle because um, a lot of people uh, when I was a, when I was a K through 12 teacher, what I had to fight was uh, the, the black kids that I was, you know, encouraging to attend HBCUs was that this going to be a party school. You know what I'm saying? And you ain't going to learn nothing. Listen to me. You get any amount of kids between 17 and 24 in the same place, they going to be party. And it don't matter whether they going into an HBCU or a PWI. They party. You know what I'm saying? So, so uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. So I'm glad that you, and, and even I'm glad that you put out there recognizing that um, Hampton and Howard perhaps are different environments than, than, than other schools because those are more like um, Harvard and Yale of HBCUs along with, you know, Spelman and Tuskegee right. and Clark, those are the things. So, so you know, it, it, it's varied experience. In, in the in the world of HBCUs, everybody's experience ain't gonna be the same. Absolutely, great point. Hey E, man, I, it feels like we could go another hour in this conversation. Yeah, we could. So we are. We gotta wrap we up. Are, we gotta wrap up. And I, Eric, I know you probably have your uh, idea in your mind of how you're gonna wrap this thing. Do you have something planned to, to wrap this piece? Yeah, I want to end it, and I want to thank you all again for coming on. First of all, you all being strong enough and courageous. Yeah. For for people like Asada and Shah, I wouldn't even use the word courageous because that's just how they live anyway. But we appreciate you all gracing us with your presence and having this thank conversation. So what I want to end on is this. We talked about the progression. Um, is there anything that you would want to say to black people in other countries in terms of the so-called African-American? Because remember, that's where I started this. These conversations I would have, was having with black people from other countries, they were going in a lot of different directions. I think this conversation is helpful if they're tuning in. But what would you want to say to them about us as the African-American? Um, for me, I want us to take the blinders off because the perception, the, the thought of them having a perception of us and vice versa, we can do away with it by just talking to them. Like I have every week, I talk to brothers from Zambia, Ghana, Nigeria, South Africa, and I teach them about Bitcoin on the continent. You understand? And what it's doing is creating this communication between us 
to where none of that stuff exists. The only thing that exists is how we're going to build ourselves as a people. And so I think the one of the solutions is to actually connect. We have the internet now, so we can really connect. We don't have to go on the myths. When I took those kids to Africa, they went with a bunch of myths given to them. They're going to eat you. They don't wash. And they came back with a different reality and their grades shot up. So I think we can create our own reality by really finding ways to build ourselves as a people diasporically, because throughout the diaspora, we've been disenfranchised. So how can we build ourselves now? So my tiny contribution is on a financial tip, build, help them build, help them. Let me show them how to make American size money in their country and they can start to um, improve internet connectivity or whatever they want. But that's what I say to connect, make that connection. Don't go on here, say a miss, just make the connection yourself and then start an agenda. Beautiful, beautiful. Sean, what do you say to wrap up? Well, I, I, I'd like to say uh, first, um, Sue and E, thank y'all so much for having me. And uh, it's, it's, it's been something I wanted to do. You know, when I first came across you guys, I said, I want to be on the show. And so thank you for helping that to become a reality for sure. And it's been a pleasure meeting you, Sister Asada, for sure. Pleasure, um, What I would like to say to wrap up is, um, to members of the, of the diaspora, especially as we talk about our continental brothers and sisters, or, or, or not, just all over the diaspora. So whatever your hyphen is, right? Afro, African-American, Afro-Cuban, um, Afro-Puerto Rican, to focus on the first part, which is the African, right? And, and, and not necessarily the African-American, African-Cuban, because we don't wanna be so tribalistic in the way that we're looking at each other because the folks that oppressed us took a nation approach to oppressing us, right? So with the Berlin Conference, when all those European countries got together and the United States, 13 European countries and the United States to colonize Africa, they did so together so that they wouldn't fight amongst each other. So if we're gonna push back toward freedom, right? We're gonna to have to do so with the same mentality. So that's what I'd like to say. No doubt. No wow, doubt. wow. Stu, I know Powerful, you're man. Now. Come on. You know, we'll do it in our wrap up, man. When uh, let's uh let's give some of these, let's give our guests their time back. Uh all this right, has so been extremely powerful. Off, I'm gonna yeah. say this before you all jump off. Thank you again. I'm gonna say my comment. What I would say to the people in the other countries is this: let's never forget that even these terms, <laughs> Africa and all these different terms that we're using, they're not the original terms. They're terms that were created by Europeans. So we got to start thinking about who we are in terms of who we, like I used to always say to people, who you be. What is your existence composed of? It's not composed of a bunch of words and titles. It's, it's a lot deeper than that. And we touched on a lot of that today. So just keep that in mind. Who you be? Who, is your, who are you? What are you composed of that might be connected to, to, to me, me to Sean, Sean to Asada? And that's the glue that's going to help us to evolve, as Asada was saying. Thank you all for coming on. We will be promoting you all on our websites. If you don't mind, we want to promote Gen Xers like yourself that are strong. So that's why we ask for your bio and your pictures. And we will have you all back in uh, season five if you want to come through. Please do. Before right. you go, Sean, before, hold on, like before it. you go, Sean and Asada, where can they reach you, Sean? Where can people get at you? Oh, for sure. Um, on Instagram, you can contact me at, at the band BH. Um, and you can go to the website, 
preferably and check out the merch and the music or and the bio, all at thebandblackhistory.com. Beautiful. Thank you for that. And Asada, do we have where can sure. people reach you to get your books? Sure. Um, if you want a financial tip, go to bitcoinforblackpeople.com. Spelled out, bitcoinforblackpeople.com. And if you know you need to stop hitting our kids, stop it. Go to beatingblackkids.com. Beatingblackkids.com. Thank you for sharing that. We're going to get that out. You all go and enjoy this beautiful weather. I'm sure it's beautiful weather on the East Coast as it is here in Chicago today. Go enjoy it. And uh, we'll see you all again very soon. Thank thank you. you. Peace. Peace. That was good. That was good. Wow. That was a lot. Wow. I, I learned a lot today. I, I was a student, man. You know, my, my black history education is limited mm. to my experience. Of course, I know who Garvey is and you know, I know who uh, Musa is. I know Queen and Zynga. You know, I know what I know what you know what you shit, you better know. You know what I mean? In our generation, you better know some of the headlines. But uh, mm-hmm. I've never been to Africa, man. I'm, I, I, you know, I often get you know in my feelings about being only able to go back to Mississippi to trace my roots. I don't I don't, I haven't I have yet to identify any family you know real live by bi, you know biological well I didn't see just like first generation second generation family that's tied to the the motherland I you know and I wish I had that man I, that really kind of pisses me off sometimes man I get I get a little angry about it quite honestly that um you know I can only go to Mississippi you know so, are you still there? Let's see. But we're going to keep it going. Asada is in the background. I see you there. Um, okay, thank you, Asada. Okay. Eric is... Okay. There he yeah, is. I, I understand. Oh, we're back. We're back. There he is. There he is. Yeah, we were freezing up there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I hear you, man. I have not been to the to the uh, continent of Africa yet. But I'm- you, but you have international blood, right? You're you're Haitian, right? Are you Haitian? I am not Haitian, no sir. You American? I am American. Okay. I am the so-called African American. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ain't. I ain't. I don't. I don't. I haven't. I haven't identified. Well, Africa. I've never. I thought that. I always thought that was a corny term. What's that? African African American. I thought. I always thought that was corny. Yeah, it never sat well with me. Yeah, I'm black, bro. And I'm I'm black, and I'm representing for all black people. Okay, same. All black people. I'm black, man. We black, bro. Yes, it's easy to understand, ain't it? Yeah, man. Black. Black. And I'm down with any other black person. I'm down with people in general, but I, I really like people to understand that I really I love black people. I, I love really black do. people, man. Great show. We got one more segment we need to run through real quick, which is our characters from corporate. Two more segments. 
Uh-oh. Two more segments. We got our characters from corporate and our pool featured pool artists. Featured artists, all right. So let all me right. run through this real quick. Um, this is characters from corporate this week. If you are just tuning in, we do this every week. We give corporate feedback to those who submit their story. Today it is uh the story is hello, I'm 28 years old. I live in Norfolk, VA. Shout out to VA. Shout out to the VA. Yes, sir. Don't want to say my gender because I want to keep who I am hidden. Mm. I just got my MBA from the University of Virginia. Okay. I think All that's right. the Garden School of Business, I believe. I'm really struggling with figuring out my next move. I have several offers to do consulting from each of the big four firms. Okay. Mm. But my heart is really not in it. I worked for similar firms doing internships and was not really feeling the whole corporate environment. Mm -hmm. I wake up most mornings now in a cold sweat because I'm so anxious. I know what I really want to do, but I'm realizing I didn't need an MBA to do it. Mm. What's really in my heart is to manage artists in the music industry. Mm -hmm. I can't bear to tell my significant other because we set a five-year plan and this was not part of it. Mm. Am I a character from corporate for getting this MBA that I don't even want to use? Wow. Nah, nah. It was a lot. Nah. That was a lot. But no, no, not for that. No, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. The only thing that's going to make you a character from corporate is if you decide not to tell your significant other that your, 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 your trajectory has changed, your, your vision has changed. Yeah. But since that's not the question, my answer, no, you're not a character from corporate because you you got an MBA, but you're not using it. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? You got an MBA, period. So you have proven the ability to get an advanced degree. Okay. And uh, I think that's that's what matters. You know, things change. So, no. I, what do you say? I'm going to let I'm gonna let this person go, Norfolk VA. I'm going to let you go on this one. I'm going to say you're not a character, but I'm going to start calling y'all characters for getting these degrees that you're not going to use now. We I mean, gotta, we gotta things stop. could change. Things could change. Like, things you know. could change, but that's a lot. You know, the University of Virginia is not no punk when it comes to pricing and all of this stuff. Like they spend a lot of money for that MBA. So yeah. if, I don't know, and I'm I'm not the expert on education, but there's got to be more a thorough analysis that we can do to make sure we're going into the right career. Maybe to get a career coach. Right. I don't know. So I, I'm not going to say you're a character, but I hope we evolve from spending all this money unnecessarily. That's my take. Okay. All right. All right. I'm going I'm to roll with you on that and start holding some people accountable for getting their, getting and using their degrees. There you go. Because I'm not, I'm not big. I'm just like, get a degree. I don't care where you go to school. I don't care. I don't, I mean, you know, we've had this conversation in our, <laughs> one of our episodes about, you know, it's college, you know, about college, but, yeah. you know, just get the degree as normally, just get the degree, just get it, just get it. And then you could do whatever you want to in life. You've, you've got a degree, you know, but I do agree with you that at the, at the rate, uh, that the expense level of college or university or yeah. higher ed, then yeah, you want to, you want to, you do want to try to put it to you. So I mean, I'm with you on that. I'm going to start paying attention to that a little bit more. Okay. Okay. So we got a pool artist lined up for our last. Segment. Yeah, man. And it, it, hey, it's uh in alignment with the theme of our show. Okay. And this is from we've heard from this guy before, Jay Paris. 
Jay Paris. Okay. Jay Paris, we heard from him. So we're going to get into, a, you know, I, we don't do the whole song, but we're going to do Black is Black. Uh, I'm black, uh, I'm black, y'all, and I'm black, y'all, and I'm blacker than black, and I'm black, y'all, and I'm black, y'all, and I'm black, y'all, and I'm blacker than black, and I'm black, I'm so black, blacker than black, black as a hustler selling a sack, black like a mother that's whipping your ass, black like no jazz, blacker than LMB borrow some cash, black as a great evolution of dance, black is my skin, black is my kin, yes I am black, black who I am, scared of my blacker thing, black is a sin, kill all our backs but I'm beating black men and mothering kids, black is my signature, black is my pin, black running music and black on the news, black as a berry but he need my juice, black is my story cause black in my roots, black on the daily cause black is my truth, black, black. Black from the drip in my walk, black from the slur when I talk, cause I'm black, y'all. Black from the clothes that I wear, black from the cords in my hair, cause I'm black, y'all. Black from the way that we greet, black how we move to the beat, cause I'm black, y'all. Black from my head to my toe, black is just all that I know, cause I'm black, y'all. Black is a cold. Cause he black, y'all. Cause he black, y'all. Check out Jay Pears, musicspool.com. That's music with an S, pool.com. The name of that song is Black. It's a dope track. And I think it's befitting for today's topic. Muted E. What happened to you? There you go. Oh, I was saying I like that one too. I think I'll go back and listen to that one. I usually go back and listen to these songs after the segment. So yeah, that was good. good look. Yeah, that's a dope one, man. Enjoy it, man. Hey man, get out there today, man, and go enjoy this beautiful, beautiful Chicago weather, man. Yeah, man. I'm about to pour this grill out. And get Are you? Yes, I am, sir. Man, do that. I'm going to hang out with Trent. Trent. We've had a long day today, haven't we? Long day. I came back home. And for those who don't know, man, I fell. I fell a couple of weeks ago. And uh, and uh, I thought I was good. But it kind of re, re, re-injured myself, if I would, if you would say. But today, man, I, I got in today, man, for the start of our day. I have really... Did a good job on getting my leg in order. And I tell you, we didn't walk a lot. But all that walking, man, I, I came home, got in the shower, and got back in the bed, bro. Mm, okay. Had to rest that leg. So hopefully by next week, Big Stew leg will be good, man. We'll do a okay. leg check next week, man. No doubt. We're going to put that in the universe for you. <laughs> all right, man. Let's go chill and relax. Thank you Enjoy for coming that work, man. I appreciate you. And uh, we will see you all next week. I think the topic is, why do you want to get married? Gee whiz. Why do you want to get married? So we're going to dive into that next week. But until then, peace. Peace.